Hello, welcome to From the Rooker End. Um, my name is John. Uh, with me uh, is Colin. Afternoon. What, what's Mike going to be like if you're just an afternoon? And Mike's, Mike's on the way, but we are joined um, by uh, a good old friend uh, of many years now, Curtis and Dever. Curtis, how are you? Cold. <laughs> Frustrated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, all the, all the lovely feelings. But this is your, uh, how, what number trip is this for you? Uh, honestly, I don't, I can't keep them all straight. I don't know. <laughs> I think eight, maybe. Okay. Well, it's a long way to come for, for games. But, but you were joined today by uh, uh, someone for their first Watford game. Who's here with you? Uh, my mother, Martha. Martha. So Martha, how was that for you? Well, it was different. <laughs> <laughs> well, what sports, do you, what, do you do a, a main sport you have in America that you sort of follow? I like basketball. Okay. A bit, a bit more physical than basketball. What was your opinion as a, as a fresh pair of eyes? What was your opinion on Bournemouth? Well, I just thought that they got a lot of breaks and, you know, with the, my opinion, I'm not very yeah. into uh, football, but uh, I just thought that the calls were always in their favour. That's how I felt. Yeah. And that's a good feeling that you thought that because we've been watching them for years and have a certain point of view of, uh, of Bournemouth and their uh, ability to get lots of penalties. Clearly, even uh, a fresh pair of eyes is exactly what we're, we're seeing. Uh, so, Colin, come on, let's have a chat with this game with, with Curtis. You know, let's, let's think about this. Before the first goal, was there anything you saw Watford thinking we were, the, we were the better side? No, no, I don't think so. I don't. And, and I think there was something, there was a problem right from the beginning when they came on the pitch. Uh, there was something not right, particularly about the defence. And I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know what happened. We had a sort of half a chance, the ball pinging around and then maybe if Hughes had caught it a bit cleaner or something, it could have gone in. But And yes, all right, we were sort of on top for the first 10, 10 minutes or so and their first goal was a breakaway goal. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, by then, Cabaselli was in the book for jumping up rather foolishly to try and head the ball out. of The, the keeper was clearly going to catch it, got himself booked, put him in a sulk. Then he's having a go at him. He sort of wanders back. He's just... Uh, it's hard to understand. <laughs> okay, a number of things. It's, <laughs> Where should we start? Yeah. it's hard to understand how a team that played quite as well as they did at Arsenal played quite so poorly today. We were out-muscled, we were bullied, we were, the tactics were wrong. Uh, our two wide players played too narrow. We had no width. We couldn't get out from their press. They bullied us. They did. They did to us what we like to do to other teams, and it just wasn't good enough. And once you saw the, the and then Cathcart gets booked. So two centre backs are now booked, and they're both in a bit of a sulk. And from there on, it's just a calamity. It's the worst performance at home I've seen for a really long time. I know we had some pretty awful ones last season, yeah. but it's, it's as bad as those. That's how bad it was. Now, Florence said to me, and I always listen to Florence because she's my 16-year-old daughter, and she always <laughs> speaks wisdom, and she said to me, I don't understand, Dad. Why, would you, why wouldn't you change it? We lost a game, we drew a game we should have won, and we lost another game. Why don't you freshen it up? When, if if Delafeo is capable of playing, why wouldn't you bring him? Chalabar's been picked for England, why is he not playing? Kapu doesn't like playing in cold, wet weather. <laughs> we know that, and he was awful today. He suddenly went from being the player that we can rely on to a player just made mistakes, and he, he was at fault for the first goal. And after that, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I felt that it was a bit like, oh, consistency is a good thing, but not today. Today, well, we could have done with some fresh legs on the pitch. Some, the, 
We needed some width and we had Delafoe and we didn't have width. Pereira and Hughes were being drawn into the middle again and again and again. And they were, and we were getting congested in there. We couldn't keep the ball. We couldn't get out from there. As I said, out from their press, we couldn't find any space. And the Deeney and Gray thing is, uh, for me, and I have to say, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it's so great. For me, it hasn't really developed into something really that threatening. Okay, they both do okay and they like playing together but what it hasn't it's not York and Cole you know it's not it's not a big man little man situation it's not one man back and one man through it hasn't it's been okay but it hasn't really been as great as some people have reported it as. it hasn't blossomed let's no. say no. No, it hasn't. so Curtis you were uh, in the uh, lower Graham Taylor stand is that right yes uh, were you anywhere near seeing the uh, the penalty decision other oh, dive? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> okay. quite clearly. Because it's, you know, there were those flashes of moments we watched in a game where we're high up in the in the rookery and you're looking down and I, I saw a sort of a, 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 a foot go across and, and a kick it seemed to me to, uh, from Cavaselli, but apparently not. Not from my perspective. It, okay. You know, again, I haven't seen a replay, but um, it looked like, yes, he did, he did extend his leg. Um, I saw minimal, minimal or no contact and a player flailing on the ground. Yeah. I said I could be absolutely wrong because I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a replay of it, but it didn't appear to be in real time be a pen to me. Okay. So the, the refereeing decisions, and this is the bit where we needed Mike really, or did we need Mike? No, we don't want Mike at this point. Refereeing decisions were it's the thing that everyone's sort of going to keep, keep hold of and, and almost blame the game because, you know, if we had gone 2-0 down and had 11 men, the question is, would we... Here he comes. Would we have survived uh, and could we have come back? The refereeing decisions, for me, I think he's a poor referee generally. But I can't blame him really for what happened today. I'm not going to blame him for that. I think that Cabaselli was in a sulk. Uh, I don't know who it was. Was it Wilson? I can't remember who it was. Uh, He got on the wrong side of him. He pulled him back. You could maybe, it was a bit 50-50 outside the box. Once he got in the box, he was on the wrong side. He put his foot in, he went down. That's a penalty. It wasn't a dive. It was a stupid challenge and it was a penalty. He, he did make contact with him. He didn't, he didn't like clearly kick the ball. He didn't chuck him. It's not knockout. <laughs> you know, it was a, that was a that was a ball he, he was he should never have been in that position. A good defender like that should have been on the other side of the player. He shouldn't have allowed himself to be physically pushed off the ball outside the box as he was, and and that's an error. That's a defensive error. And he he was and he was making them <laughs> up until he was sent off quite regularly. He was pulled out of position. He got in the bat, you know, and they were all yelling at each other. Holobas was shouting at him. We'd had a couple of near misses before that. But for me, Moss is a disgrace, and I think he shouldn't really referee Premier League games. I think he's not fit enough. He can't keep up with the game. He he guesses. You can see him guessing during the game. Uh, But I can't blame him for today, really. Yes. But but would you have wanted him to have done a a second yellow at that point? Because that's the thing about football sometimes. It's a penalty. That's one thing against you, penalisation. And a a yellow and a red... He didn't deserve a yellow. It It wasn't a yellow card foul. It was a penalty, but it's not a yellow card. But because it's a penalty, it has there has to be some extra punishment. It seems to me. So he gets a second yellow, but he should never have got the first yellow. No. You know, he's he was an idiot for jumping up at the goalkeeper. There was he was never going to win that ball. He had his hands in the air. He thought, I'll have a see if I can win it, and he got booked. He probably shouldn't have been booked for that either, because it wasn't a terrible thing. But but by that stage, Cabaselli's mind is gone, and I was thinking you should get that player off the pitch. He's gone. He's gone. He's going to do something, and then he did. Hi Mike, how are you? 
Well, that game has been over for about two hours, so uh, <laughs> um, I've had a chance to get over it. Really, really disappointed, borderline um, embarrassed, but overall really, really frustrated. There was a game there that we were very much in at nil-nil, uh, and yeah, I think we blew it, really, to be perfectly honest. Collins, you know, we talked through the, the bad referee, cover that off, so don't worry about that. Uh, we've talked about how Cavaselli was, you know, shouldn't have had one or either of his yellow cards. We've covered that, so don't worry about that. Right. So let's talk about how they reacted. You know, there's that, that moment where almost instantly when the when he got sent off, Mariapa get up gets up and he starts warming he's run up down, he starts warming up. Did you think that was the moment that he should have come on? Yeah, in hindsight, very, very surprised he came on. No, no, no. not in hindsight, at that moment when there's a defensive something like that happens and after about two minutes of Cabris in the back four, you wouldn't you've done that a bit quicker. I, I think he wanted to go for the game. I think we were two nil down. I think he wanted to. I think that's presumably why the why the substitution didn't happen. Obviously, it turned out to be the wrong decision. I would have expected him to rejig, reset, and, and get in. <laughs> it's insane! It's insane! It was insane to keep two strikers on the pitch and put Etienne Capu as a centre back. Etienne Capu has many qualities, although he didn't show any of them today. But one thing he's not is a centre back. And there was a centre back on the bench. You take off one of your strikers, you bring on a centre back, you go to four four one, and you try to stop them scoring the third goal, which is what they did. They scored a third goal in the 43rd minute because we didn't have the proper defenders on the pitch. The ball came over. It was easy, peasy, wheezy. And they were 3-0 up and the game was gone. At 2-0, you could argue, get success on the pitch, get Chalabar on the pitch, set a fail on the pitch. Maybe you might get a goal and you might, 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 with a bit of kind of togetherness, uh, you might get back in the game. But if you don't make that, if you make the decision to leave it and think, we'll just try and get to half-time and then I can bring fresh legs on, they won't get too tired, 10 men for 40, 60 minutes is too much. Wrong choice, wrong decision, terrible insanity. Mike, Mike, he, 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 yeah, no, 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 Mike, you've lost your, you've lost your uh, status of, uh, of the ranteer. Ranteer? I'm making the word up now. But there wasn't, even, even it, with those decisions not being made, there still wasn't a rally, um, a togetherness, it didn't feel like, in that... The, the 10 that were left on the pitch after sending off. No, and I make Colin absolutely right in his, uh, his very uh, robust uh, description <laughs> of what, what happened and what should have happened. And absolutely right, there's no, no question about it. But yeah, that, that's, like I said, um, disappointed with the way react, we, we reacted. I think we had a bit of a head of steam, and, but pl- passes were going astray again. Decore, I think, looks a little bit off the paces. Passes aren't, weren't hitting their mark. And yeah, just the, I think the reaction was, was bad. It was poor. Um, I think the defending for everything apart from the first goal which was I think was a decent goal I think the defending was was pretty bad I don't really think Bournemouth had to be anything other than functional throughout that game I mean they'll argue that they played well you know they've won 4-0 away from home so you have to say it's a good performance but I don't I really don't think they had to get out of second gear even I don't I wonder if they had to get out of first gear and that's what upsets me we didn't we didn't try and force the issue at all having made that tactical decision not to go defensive at the, at the back what did we do we didn't create anything there was no verve there was no commitment that's not fair there's no no commitment it wasn't coming off it didn't work for them and I, I don't know how much you can put that down to individual performances was it one of those days perhaps but ultimately we find ourselves in a pretty poor situation now don't we this evening we said in last week's podcast that this is going to be an important game for us we need to get back into the winning habit we need to get back showing we can perform against teams in and around our level and we have completely and utterly failed to do it we've ended up on our on our backside and yes i'd say it's definitely the only bad performance of our season so far 
but but it was really bad and, and we we oughtn't to shy away from we're positive when when they play well and we've been and we've been rightly um giving them plenty of plaudits don't take any of that back but we have to be critical when when they deserve it yes there were mitigating circumstances for what it's worth i think the only thing that john moss got wrong was that first first cavaselli yellow card i think it was a penalty and theirs wasn't the, the handball shout wasn't a penalty either so um i think he's always going to get that second booking uh, giving away a penalty in that in that area you're always going to get booked i just think the first one was was a bad one and that set the tone i think because cavaselli was sort of umming and ahhing he wasn't able to commit cathcart was was booked as well um, so from that moment on, it was just, it, was, it went very, very sour, very, very quickly, but we didn't help ourselves at all. The, you know, you, you, we are up to feel a little bit disappointed, but maybe not so disappointed as someone who's travelled many thousands of miles. Curtis, you know, how do you feel after, you know, you've seen Watford win a lot, you've seen them lose at Wembley, you know, you've seen, you've seen some, some pretty, you know, big games before. How, how are you feeling about that, that defeat? I was just really disappointed with the performance, as you said. The... As Colin has, has eloquently said, the defense was in shambles this afternoon. And I was, someone, someone who's as tactically inept as me was shocked that um, Ray Apple wasn't sprinting up and down the line to get into the game immediately after that red card. And it, took, and it, it substitute didn't happen. So I, after seeing them play so well, it was extremely disappointing. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, still glad to be here. Yeah. Um, it was still a wonderful day out, in the, out out Vicarage Road, so I can't complain too much. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Becoming a Watford fan. Uh, recently on the podcast, we've uh, had uh, Ed Kevin from, uh, from Los Angeles, and he said he became a Watford fan because uh, he wanted to become a football fan, and uh, Jay Demerit used to play for Watford. Apparently, didn't support when we had Tony Miola in the, the late 1980s. Um, Curtis, you know, you, you, you know, we've known you for about nine years now. Um, how, how did you, and why do you think, did you become a Watford fan? Well, I think I've, I've told the whole story before, so I, I'll give the abridged version. I was I came here for the first time to um, I was already a football fan to watch a Tottenham match. That match got moved, and I ended up coming up here on that Saturday. And in the end, what has brought me back for ten years yeah. is uh, the people. That is what is uh, really what this club's about for me. It's uh, you, Mike, Colin, Steve, my friends, everybody else who um, I've come in contact with. Um, who are even part of the organization and not like um, Dave Messenger, um, you know, what he did to help me get tickets so I could bring my mom out here for her first match. Dave was, uh, I'm not sure his official title, but he's like a ticket liaison for family liaison officer. He was my contact for tickets overseas. And um, I emailed him, he emailed me back right, right away to ask me what game, told me what I needed to do, called me to make sure I get a following arrangement set up. And then today, uh, we actually bumped into him when I was picking up the tickets. and. Um, Gave us, uh, just made sure that everything went smoothly and that we got uh, tickets or got ourselves organized and set for today's match. So it's that, it's that little extra touch that, this, that, that you find in a club, a community club like Watford, that um, what truly makes it special in my opinion. And things like that is uh, why I'm a Watford fan. Because a new group's been set up this week called uh, All For One Hornets, uh, with the idea that the, the diverse groups uh, and communities that we have in Watford uh, are encouraged uh, to come uh, and, and come see Watford play. Uh, Colin, you know, you're, you're no offence, but you, uh, older. you're older. Yeah, yeah you're older. older. <laughs> but and you, you became a Watford fan um, pre Graham Taylor. Yeah. So why did you become a Watford fan? Because um, I had an uh, older brother 
who wanted to go to watch football and we lived in Northwood so he wanted to go with his uh, his friend who lives across the road so the mums said oh I will take you so then the mums took the two boys I was too little and they got into it and then the mums got into it more than the boys <laughs> and then when my brothers decided he didn't want to go with his mum anymore when he was about I guess 12, 13 he, my mum just started taking me because I was like well come on you're coming <laughs> but your mum wasn't from, from around here? no no she wasn't she was uh, her family were from abroad and she been born in London and and then we she got married and we moved out to they moved out to Northwood with my dad and then that all sort of fell apart but she stayed in Northwood on her own with her three sons and so yeah she just she just I think if you've got three sons and you're a single mum the football's going to become something and, and, and actually she just she loved it we we know World Cups and she came to Watford all her life I brought I mean when she was old I brought her instead of the other way around which is yeah. nice and would you say what was it about Watford at that point that um, made her bring you here. I know that when I became a Watford fan, I think the same it is for for Mike. We you know we we became at the the tail end of the, the Graham Taylor era where we were the club and the community side was established. What was it like coming to Watford at that point? Well, I mean, I was five, six, seven, five, six, seven years old, and it was it was an extraordinary environment. That, of course, as a small boy, you don't you don't know that Watford are a small club in the fourth division. You don't know that they're not Man United. You come and there's thousands of people all cheering and standing in the cold, and you know with the floodlights and everything. And it was just the most extraordinary thing to do as a child, and, and doing it with my mum and my brother and everything. Because it was the local club, it was near, and we could park and we could drive and park and walk to the ground, and you know it cost next to nothing. And actually, we had a couple of we had some decent players. We had Scully and an Dean and Wellborn, and you know these were sort of heroes, even though they were sort of lower division club. And then we had a couple of promotions, uh, and then it all sort of went wrong. And then Taylor arrived, but yeah. So then the Taylor arrived at the perfect time for me. I think it was 13. And so that was the perfect time to, for it to take off because I could go on my own, I could go with my schoolmates. And it was, yeah, it was just a brilliant, brilliant time. But, you yeah, know, Mike, the, the weird thing, um, Curtis there spoke about what, what Dave Messenger's doing and, you know, international fans have got him. And if you do email dave.messenger at watfordfc.com, uh, you're an international um, fan, he will do his best at certain games where I don't think they have the, the capability, you know, the obvious big, big games. Uh, but a game like today, you know, he will do his best um, uh, to, to get you. But this, this new group that's sort of coming in, this uh, all for one, um, it seems it, a weird thing in some ways. I know we've got to speak to them about it and get more detail from them, but a slightly weird way that a club like Watford, with that community, that um, it's needed. Well, I don't think it is necessarily needed by the letter of the of the law, if you like, but I think that just goes to show how switched on Watford are in terms of their responsibility and the needs within the community. I think it's another reason for us to be incredibly proud of, of Watford. It's a proactive thing from Watford, which I think makes it all the more, more impressive. Um, so doing everything we can to attract whoever wants to come to make sure they feel safe, happy and, and welcome. And, you know, that's the reason I'm here. Uh, we, we grew up liking football. Mum and Dad felt safe bringing us to, to Vicarage Road. And so we did. We were brought here younger than, than I imagine we would have been if we lived in, in Leeds or, or near Millwall or something like that, for example, to, to two uh, absolute classic examples there and cliches no but anyway cliches yeah <laughs> oh I love a cliche you know me you know me you're not going to get through a pod without a, a cliche but they felt able to bring me and that was because of a club initiative and this is a this is another thing that will hopefully drive the next generation of, of Watford fans whoever they may be whatever their background whatever their situation whatever their outlook on life which after seeing them today will be uh, pretty bleak no doubt but well, I, if, if this was your first Watford game it's like going yeah Guys, this is what it's going to be like. You know, these, almost 30 years. Actually, Geordie, one of our, our team, Geordie, it was his 34th Watford birthday today. This is what it's like. If you had to sum one game up 
as in what it was like to be a Watford fan in all your time. This isn't far away from it. No, it's a, it's a real good grounding. And if you come back after this, then then all power to you. But yeah, it's, I think it's another great initiative in the in the recent times that um, the Century Rooms I think has been nominated for mm. for award as well, hasn't it? So plenty of reasons to be incredibly proud of this this football club. Lots changing, but that heartbeat that attracted me, that attracted you, that attracted Colin all those years ago to, to come to this football club is still there, still reaching out, still making people feel welcome and important. So that hats off to Watford in that respect. Really, really good. Coming soon, uh, when we can finalise it, uh, we'll be interviewed with, with Anne Swanson uh, that I did. Uh, and for me, meeting Anne and reminding me of what what it was like to be a Watford fan when I was seven years old and what she did and what her, you know, her, what she did for, with, with Graham's vision um, just you know, brought back what it is amazing thing it is to be a Watford fan and, and, and these things and, and what Dave does and, and how the Junior Hornets are sort of back again um, it, it really feels like that work that Graham started and, and, and Anne and, and, and did were, was, was, was perfect. And also, I think, just a, another thing that puts things in perspective, just the half-time talk today about the, the mental health awareness and, and raising awareness around, around that side of things gave aside um, half-time for a really, really important conversation between, if you weren't here at the game, basically a guy was going to commit suicide, jump off a bridge, guy saw him, talked him down. And we gave our half time to that, and I think it's you know it's not a big thing to do, but it's a thoughtful thing to do, a sensible thing to do, another proactive thing to do, um, and that you know at half time down to Bournemouth, everyone's feeling pretty grim, two nil down, down to ten, three nil down, down to down to ten men, puts things in perspective, doesn't it really? And now talking about about the club we we know and love and the things they do, it's not all bad, is it? Nathaniel Chalabar uh, has been called up to the England squad. First uh, permanent Watford player to be called up to England squad since uh, John Barnes, I believe, in the 1980s. Um, the, the thing that straight away came out was the fact that um, he's been called up after playing minutes in the Premier League. Uh, but the almost well, first choice uh, player, uh, Will Hughes, of a very similar level and age to Nathaniel, uh, didn't get a call up. Was, it, was, the, was that just a, 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 a reaction was it the right reaction? I think probably Will Hughes might feel a little bit hard done by. I think Chalabar's call-up is absolutely no surprise. I think he's been absolutely inked in as, a, as an England international for some time. Southgate thinks very, very highly of him. He was training with England before the World Cup um, in a bid to get fit and to just be around the squad. So Chalabar is kind of one of Southgate's chosen few, I think. He, he had him earmarked. But, the, but what Southgate has said is that He's going to pick players on, on form and, and how they perform. And I think Will Hughes has done, done pretty well this year. And, um, well, very well, actually. Pretty well is, is, is damning him with faint praise. I think he's been a, a stellar performer for Watford. Uh, he's popped up with a goal at Burnley and he's showed his, his strength and his versatility. So if you look at some of the other championship midfielders that have been called up in that, in that, that area, then perhaps Will Hughes has got a, a right to be uh, a little bit upset from a Watford point of view, you know, having seen what we've seen today, speaking about injuries and, and suspensions, I'm glad, to be perfectly honest, that we can keep him wrapped up in, in cotton wool. I'm sort of drifting over to that side of, of football fans where I'd rather see my players not play for England, which is tragic really, isn't it? It's, it's silly, but at this stage of the game, I'd rather, I'd be desperate to keep as many people fit as possible and keeping him safe and sound here in Hertfordshire is, uh, is a good thing. But yeah, great for great for Chalabar. I think it's a bit disappointing that, that Southgate hasn't gone on form 
you know, he knows Will Hughes. He's played with him. Um, well, that's what I mean. It's not like he is... I know that the boys that have been... I call them boys. How old do I sound? Uh, the, the young men that have been picked to in that one that you would compare him to have all been part of the England setup and they've gone through the system, as Nathaniel has, with, with, with Gareth. But so is Will. And that's the, the bit, I suppose, a little bit where it sort of grated a little bit more with me. Yeah. Understandable, you know. That, you know, he's, he is one of those. He's not like a young player that's come up and is playing in the Premier League and doesn't have this, this wider England experience. And that's the slightly annoying thing about it. But I suppose the only thing I, I looked at it is like, well, who would you swap him for in those young players? And it isn't necessarily obvious. And I think DCW in our group said, well, if you look at the boys he has picked, they are probably a little bit pacier uh, than Will. Not quite as determined and hardworking, but a little bit pacier, which may suit his style. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think he's obviously, you know, Southgate's not having a go at Will Hughes or Watford. I think, I think you're right. I think it probably does come down to that, that pace side of things. So he's made, a, he's made a choice. I don't think this is the end of Will Hughes' international chances. I think if he carries on in the, in the vein that he's been performing for Watford, then he'll force his way in. There's, there's no way he won't be selected, especially as you know, ramp up towards the European Championships, the World Cup in, in four years' time. So plenty of time for him to stake his claim. Um, he'll be disappointed for sure, but I think he, we, can, we can benefit from that. He can focus and channel his frustrations into better performances, increasingly, increasingly good performances for Watford. And we'll see, uh, we'll see him in the, in the Three Lions shirt before too long. But do it with the heart on your chest first, matey. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. A trip to the Wolves, to Molyneux, uh, the, the the hipster's choice, I think, this year. I think we were, we were almost there, I think, almost there with our beginning of the season, but we think we've lost that a little bit. Uh, Wolves are the, the ones that are, everyone's loving a little bit. Um, you, you know, you said this these next two games were going to be the important ones to defining, not defining our season, but taking it forward and, and, and playing us against our, our like. Um, do, has this game... Emphasise that the importance of that game. Wolves, I think, now does take on an important and even more important role, and which is a shame because I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, Watford are really going to have to dust themselves down and, and and work hard to get anything out of that. I think we nip in, get a point, and get out as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, Colin, come on, let's get some positives out of this. What can we take from this game? <sighs> it's not easy, John. <laughs> it's not easy. It's Bournemouth, remember, and it's really, really painful losing to them in such a plucky Bournemouth. I think they are still ca- catastrophic, calamitous way that we did. We were absolutely awful. Let's not draw. Let's not, you know, let's not. But there were some positives. One positive. Kapoor didn't get booked, (laughs) so he's not suspended. The fans, I thought, were terrific. The Rookery End stayed to the end and sang Everything's Going to Be All Right for for about the last 20 minutes, which is great, and I think players really do appreciate that. They're having an awful day at the office, and the fans are not streaming out or booing, which happens at other clubs. They're singing and uh, singing What For Till I Die and, you know, all this stuff, and I, I I take that as a positive. But, I mean, for certain, without any shadow of a doubt... Our great start has come to a crashing halt. <laughs> that's a good thing. No, that's not a good what thing. A terrific positive, Colin. Thanks <laughs> for that. You've really, really taken are. over my mental as Mr. Negative. Oh, I've got some positives. A good start's finished, and we're rubbish. <laughs> yeah, excellent. I think the fans thing is is a, is a real positive, and also the team did fight to the end. They did. With ten men, they kept going. There, it wasn't really working. We, we had, you know, but we did keep going. They obviously backed off a bit. They're four 0 up. I mean, so obviously it's easy in a way for our team. But we didn't. There wasn't a sense that we just gave up. 
and we lost 6-7-0, which could have happened. There was a sense that we lost the goal after the, the beginning of the second half and you thought, oh my God, what's going to happen? But actually there was a bit of grit, there was a bit of fight. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see Delafeo back on the pitch. I think, I think Colin's point about the supporters is, is good. I think this, this afternoon was exactly what the 1881 is about. You know, the banners are great when the sun's shining and uh, certainly not taking anything away from those. But when you're 4-0 down and you're still bouncing up and down in that corner making a racket, it's the Watford fans you can hear, not the Bournemouth fans who are, who are 4-0 up and coasting. I think that's what the 1881 is about. And I think Colin's right to bring it up. I was, I was very proud of that and I, I enjoyed that. And it, and it reminds you that you're here to support your team through thick and thin. So uh, I did enjoy that. In terms of positives, I find it really difficult to be honest to, to well take. the positive I wanted to take from it was um, success coming on again my, my mood in my head when I saw the, the team sheets I looked straight at the substitutes the first time yeah. and I looked at that and you go whoa that's a great bench yeah. strongest bench ever for Watford very possibly yeah. I can't think of a better one but when you see Chalabar and you see uh, Delafeu and success you sort of want success to keep come on and keep doing what he's doing yeah. you want to see Chalabar come on and, 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 and you know, play longer than he's done before and you want to see I want to see a little bit of Jerry you know to, to, to get him back on you know on the grass kicking some footballs um, success came on at a point where were they ever going to, to show off? No, I, mean, I think success showed, he's shown enough. We know what we're going to get from him. He's tough, he's strong, he's direct. He's good enough for the Premier League, I think, in my opinion. I think he's going to have a big role to play. As you know, the suspensions, injuries start to, to rack up. Delefeu back on is, as you say, really, really important. He's, you kind of forget about him, don't you? In the, in the furore of the good start, you forget that we've got these sort of basically international, well, literally international standard players now. Congratulations to, to Nate and uh, Pereira, who've got their, their calls up. Um, you kind of forget that we've got these guys to come back and now you think well you look at the bench right that's it's quite re- it's quite reassuring that these we've got these guys to come back it is a reminder of how how good this squad actually is and if we're going to end on a positive I think at nil nil today Watford looked really good it didn't quite go for us again it had sort of it, um Echoes of the Man United game, I thought, a little bit. We were looking OK and, and looking to get in good positions, but the balls weren't, weren't, quite, weren't quite going to feet. It wasn't quite going for us. So I think for, for a, a period, we were the better side. Um, they just have to take, they have to focus on that. We collapsed after, after the first goal, which was hugely disappointing. That's the first bad performance in 10. You know, let's not dress it up. That was a bad performance, but that's one in 10 bad performances I don't think they'll want to be doing that again uh, really really difficult place to go now but they're going to have to dust themselves off they know exactly what's going to happen it's going to be um, there will be a battle up there it'll be noisy it'll be intimidating they've got quality players who can punish you their set piece is a, a, are amazing so yep Wolves is not the place you want to go on the back of a, on a 4-0 home defeat we just said we've got the quality now they've got to go and prove it dust yourselves off let's go and get a point if not a blooming win and get the season back on track come on you golden boys yes thank you very much for listening uh, we're back after the international break uh, with more podcasts uh, as we do every week uh, hopefully not necessarily as negative as we've been in this one we'll try we'll try uh, thank you much for following us uh, on social media at Wolf Podcast uh, Instagram Twitter and Facebook and uh, do tell your friends that you can listen to us every week uh, via Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or via Google Podcasts if you've got those Android phones <sighs> come on you